Welcome to What's Your Story podcast. I'm your host, Matt Story. On this pod, I sit down with people of color leaders to understand how they've been able to use their superpowers to make an impact on our world. And I do it one story at a time. Okay, so my guest on the pod this week is the co-founder and CEO of Young King Hair Care. Uh, and they are the first multicultural grooming line for young men. But what I found to be the most impressive is that their mission and their mission is to celebrate and elevate black and brown boys one curl at a time, which for me just really spoke to my heart. And with that intro, I'd like to welcome Cora Miller to the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. So before we get into all the great things you're doing with Young King Hair Care and the, and the extensions you've made, I'd love it if you could just help the listeners get to know you a little bit better and maybe share a story about what little Cora was like. <laughs> oh, little Cora. So a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Southern California to a single mom. She was a nurse, also going back to school and raised me and my sister on her own. And so, you know, always when I think about my childhood and little Cora, I grew up never wanting for anything, which is such a huge testament of my mom and all that she did for my sister and I, the sacrifices that she made. And so I always give kudos to her for just instilling in me, you know, just this ability to just go after it, to do what you want to do and to, to live your life. And so she definitely has always been a big influence in my life. And so I think that speaks to just my background and, you know, going through school, going to college. I went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels. My mom never made me prescribe to any specific career. As she was a nurse, my sister went on to be a doctor, but I never was interested in the medical field at all. I actually was a journalism major and I did public relations and communication, you know, even going through that, still trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to be when I grow up. Like <laughs> I, I did those yeah, things and yeah. actually never even worked in that, you know, formally. And so, that's great. you know, post-college, I went to, to grad school. I graduated in the recession, the 2008 recession. So there weren't a lot of jobs. So I said, well, I'll just go to grad school. Whoever pays me to go to grad school, I'll do that. And so mm-hmm. I did that. I, I received my uh, master's of public administration and focused in nonprofit management. I've always had the spirit of you know, wanting to do good uh, and give back. My husband calls me the forever do-gooder. And so that's what I thought I was going to do, was going to run some great educational nonprofit. But again, life happens. And I actually ended up in education, but I did more operations. And so I actually worked for a charter high school, KIPP school here in Atlanta, helped open up the school. And then after being there a couple of years, my husband decided he wanted to move to Minnesota to work to work for General Mills at the time. So we upped and moved to oh, wow. Minnesota and lived there for four years right before I gave birth to my son. But there I worked at United Health Group. I did social responsibility, social impact work. Again, I'm the forever do-gooder. And before starting Young King, I actually was a VP of external affairs. So I have that kind of corporate experience plus like my nonprofit background I think, again, all of that to lead up to what now in creating and what has become Young King. Yeah. Now, it's one, I love the similarities 
in what you shared and, and many experiences I've heard from those both on the podcast and also from my own personal experience. So I, I always start by telling people, first and foremost, I'm a mama's boy for the exact same reasons you called out. I grew up with a single mom that she provided for my wants instead of her needs. Mm-hmm. And she made it possible for me to see that the, you know, the, the sky was limitless right. and, and you could do anything you want to do. So I'd love to hear that that's, that was similar for you as kind of that initial trajectory into you exploring so many different things and interest. Right. And then also I, 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 you know, I do want to ask, you know, well, really important question because you went to North Carolina, are you allowed to wear any other blues <laughs> or is, is it, is it limiting? How, how does that work? So I can wear other blues, but I dare not speak that other school down the streets name yes. in this household. Yes. So we just don't yes. talk about that other school at all, but I'm a gotcha. definitely a big Tar Heel Carolina basketball all day fan. Honestly, that's the reason why I went to that school. <laughs> wow, wow. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so, cause I was going to ask you your journey going from SoCal to North Carolina, to Atlanta, yeah. to Minnesota, yes. what, what did you take away from living in those? Because th- those are very different communities. Absolutely. So what, what did you take away from that? Man, it was such an experience for me again, born and raised in Southern California. I grew up an outside, an hour outside of LA um, and then going to school in the South. They mm-hmm. <laughs> they always said I was like unique. <laughs> when I went to North Carolina, like my freshman year, everybody called me like unique and that's workout Barbie Cora. I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I, I like to run. So that was like a thing. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, just it was just a totally different experience. And honestly, more than, you know, just that, that Southern nature and, and culture, it was just this, seeing a lot of people who look like me, to be honest. You know, I grew up in the suburbs. My mom was very intentional to move us out of LA into the suburbs. So I didn't go to school with a lot of, you know, black people, to be honest. I was one of only in a lot of my advanced classes and from elementary to high school. And so for me, I really wanted that experience to be around more people who looked like me. And I also loved sports. So that's why I was like, Carolina seems great. And then after going to visit it, I was like, I'm going here. And so for me, it was just that exposure to to more of my culture and recognizing, you know, really discovering myself and my identity and my blackness. And I, I really appreciated what, what living in the South has provided for me in that way. And then Minnesota, that's a whole different story. (laughs) A whole different story. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I spent a summer at General Mills in in Minneapolis. So I I can attest uh, to to that. I want to understand, like, you know, you walked through how your path wasn't necessarily you didn't go the, the health route and you thought you were going to do this and you tried a little bit of this, you tried a little bit of this and you, and you, you pulled from all these different experiences. So, so my first question is one, where'd you get that confidence to know that you could change course and you could pivot and you could be fluid with where your interests were taking you. And then two, how, and we're going to get into what you're doing now, but how do you think that prepared you yeah. for being a founder? I think to the first part of that question, I think call it the millennial in me. I think, you know, I came <laughs> up in that generation where, it just felt like the sky's the limit. You don't have to be tied down, bogged down to a job for 20 plus years like my mom was, who retired from her hospital after working over 30 years. Like that just wasn't a thing. It wasn't a desire. It felt like we could be fluid if we didn't like something on to the next and that be okay. And 
you know, so for me, I never felt like if there was something that I wasn't interested in, I couldn't explore it. And if I didn't like it, then I couldn't just leave. So perfect example of that, again, big sports fan. And so I thought I was going to journalism or is in the journalism school. That's what I graduated. But I thought I was going to be some sports writer. Like, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I thought I had that in me. I did an internship um, one summer with a basketball player in a camp he was putting on. I was hired to write stories about the camp and all of these updates. And I hated it. And I was like, and this is not even like, really, like, (laughs) that's just a small taste. It's not even real getting into like sports writing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So what am I doing next? All that to say, I think just being of this kind of generation where it's okay to move on to the next. And then again, I also give credit to my mom who never made us or forced us into fields, careers, and passions that we weren't passionate about. She's always been very open in that way. As long as you find what you love and then make a living. Like, of course, we weren't going to be living at our house. That wasn't an option. She's like, I want you to, you know, find what you love, but make a career and make money so you can sustain yourself because you're not coming back here to do that. So it's just balancing that. And I think, oh, sorry, what was the second part to your question? Well, let's move into your profession, like where you are now. How did that prepare you for being a founder? Yeah, I, I, in so many ways, especially When I think about, you know, first starting off working in a small school where I was everything from, you know, the operations manager to the school nurse to the counselor to sometimes, you know, the substitute teacher wearing so many hats in a small school environment, you just have to be nimble, you have to be flexible and you just have to go with it. So so that piece of it. But then going from that type of environment to a corporate environment and when I say corporate, I mean, I worked at United Health Group, like we're talking about healthcare, like one of the largest healthcare companies in the globe, that type of corporate environment, totally different, right? So from that perspective, you know, being polished, being able to be detailed and, you know, and, and strategic and thoughtful and you know, presenting well in front of, you know, executive leadership. So all of those things, that kind of grooming and those kind of skills that you have to develop when you work at such a rigid corporation that that was, that definitely when I combine that, that kind of nibble hustle of working at school to this sharp, polished version of corporate, I put those together and creating and and really managing Young King because you have to be in order to be successful. You have to be thoughtful, strategic, have a vision and a big picture. But also, you know, sometimes you just have to figure it out. And so you're in the nitty gritty, you're in the grind, you're just trying to be scrappy with what you have. So I definitely think just having both sides, being on both sides has certainly helped in in growing this business. Yeah. And I, I want to jump into Young King because, you know, I, I think it seems obvious, but as I stated, this, you're the, this is the first brand and that's actually designed for this community uh, and these products. And, and, you know, as someone that I didn't have personal grooming options as a kid that I, that were designed for me, it was either, you know, use my, my sisters yeah. or use the mainstream, right. but there was, there was nothing that was really, you know, designed for me. So I'm curious, like, it seems obvious, but again, can you walk us through how you landed on the idea, how you're able to really build Yeah, this? I tell people all the time, it really was such an obvious white space, but 
I think, you know, when you think about your experience, for example, and even my husband, my husband says the same thing, you know, it was always, especially when you think about like black families, for girls, that sense of self-care, that sense of like, you have your wash days, you're doing your hair, you care about your skin, just your whole look and appearance. You know, we spend so much attention on like what grooming looks like for girls, but that same energy for boys is really lacking and not there. It's like you go to the barbershop, you get your hair cut, that's it. We it, There was never conversations, and I grew up with all boy cousins, never conversations around, you know, you actually probably should shampoo and condition your hair. You probably should not just use yeah. soap on your face. Like that, that, just that same energy wasn't there for our boys. And I think... And recognizing that and also, well, I was just say before recognizing that, you know, having my son and and looking for products that I felt really reflect him, you know, I it just really struck me that there was nothing out there. And then having conversations like to your point, like in your reflections with other men and my husband, cousins, some of his friends, there literally wasn't anything that exists to really help boys understand that importance of self-care and grooming. And so I just saw that as a huge white space opportunity to really kind of change that narrative around grooming for young men. And so that's really how that all got started. Like, you know, my son trying to look for products, recognizing that there isn't anything on the market, having those conversations you know, doing a little research, looking to see what's out there, doing some surveys, it, it all aligned to what I saw and what I knew would be a great opportunity to kind of reach, like change this narrative in the beauty industry. That's great. And you mentioned your your husband. So this this is a family yes. business. You guys, you guys co-founded this. And so as a husband of an entrepreneur, yeah. um, I'm really curious, like how you both think about this as the legacy you're leaving, because because I think this isn't just a a business. This isn't just an entrepreneurial effort like like you're doing this as a family. So I'm curious what what layer that adds to. Yeah, I think my husband always says, you know, I want to be able to hand my son a company and not just a job application. And so that's how we view Young King. We view this business that we're growing together and we think about legacy all the time. Especially because, again, the whole foundation of this company is our son. And so when you have that kind of as your motivation um, and, and your reason why, you know, we're always so motivated and, and know that we're not going to fail because this is because this is for our son and our family. And so, you know, for us, we we want to ensure that he sees and he's a part of what we're building and what we're growing and that he understands that. And so that when he gets older, you know, he can make the decision. Again, I, I am firmly like with my mom, I'm not going to force you into things that you have no desire to be a part of if you have no interest in. But if you grow up, you know, seeing what mom and dad are doing, seeing this company that was literally built because of you, you know, hoping, you know, he can get excited and recognize how special it is of what we're creating for him and his sister. Because <laughs> we have a seventh yeah. buckle now, yeah. too. Oh, but wow. but hoping that he can just be as excited as we are about building and growing this company. 
That's great. And then the the other thing I was excited to see is that you're expanding into other categories. Yes. And so you just announced the skincare yes. line, which again, as you said, like this concept of don't just put soap <laughs> on your face and like, what are these other right. things that many of us don't learn until, you know, your thirties, forties, and you're like, okay, I need to think about my skin. So where, where, where did that come from? And, and how do you think? About yeah. That? So honestly, that came from our young King fam. So we call our, our young King community, our family, <laughs> just because we, yeah. from a very early on when we launched, we just had such strong supporters and champions of the brand that people that just loved what we're doing in our mission. And so as we were thinking about you know, how do we grow? Because, you know, one of the things that became very apparent early on to us when we first launched Young King was, you know, this notion of how do we grow with the young man? So how do we start with him when he's very young all the way until he's a teenager and really meet all of those holistic grooming needs? So hair is where we started because that's the white space that we saw. But, you know, and having conversations with others and again, doing surveys, we like to survey a lot and talk to people. It was it seemed like that next natural evolution was skincare and making sure that our preteens and our teen boys understand what a simple regimen looks like. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, for women, we have 50,000 products for our hair, 50,000 products for our skin. You know, yeah. boys are pretty yeah. straightforward. Like, they don't need a lot. And so how can you create yeah. really simple routines and provide that education to make it really easy for our young men and, and really get them excited, excited about what self-care looks for them. So that's how that kind of all came to be, really, that's just great. our community telling us, y'all should do this. <laughs> do this, yeah. too. I, I love it. I, I love it that you you've created that bond and you created that community that's able to they feel vested and they want to be a part of this journey of what you're okay. building and, and they give you those those nuggets. Um, so I have to ask you were on Shark Tank. Yeah. I, I saw it. It, it, it was I, I felt proud and I know watching with my wife Rebecca she felt proud of how it turned out and, and, and where you ended up. But I, I just I'm curious what was the experience like for you to go through that ultimately to be presented with I'll say it's an offer, but be presented with something yeah. and decide not to take right. it. So I'm, I'm curious from your side, what, what was that like? Yeah, so it's interesting. Shark Tank, first of all, we met, they reached out, they called us and they called me in like April, I want to say, of last year. And through that whole process of, you know, interviewing, going back and forth, all of that, we didn't actually film until October of last year. So it's wow. very an ex extensive process. I say that because by the time that we actually filmed and, and pitched in front of the Sharks, we were out there for over an hour and a half pitching. And wow. of course, they cut it down to eight minutes. But by the time we got through all that, we were exhausted because <laughs> it had been such a long and lengthy process. But that said, I think when we were out there in front of the Sharks for that long, you know, one of our, our key takes, takeaways was that we really had a great experience in terms of the sharks being very complimentary about our business and what we were trying to build and do. Of course, they nitpicked on particular things and areas. They're always going to do that. It's TV. But yeah. we just, you know, we left immensely proud, although exhausted, immensely proud of just them being so complimentary to what we're doing. There, There's never, I can't even think of an a chance when you would have the opportunity to stand in front of like millionaires Bill, you know, yeah. and, and people yeah. with such enormous wealth and experience and then actually say that you are two of the most brilliant kind of entrepreneurs you, they've been in front of. Like, yeah. I think 
that in and of itself was like, we're doing this. Like, (laughs) we know that we know that we know now this is what we were meant to do. So all of that to say, you know, the experience for us was definitely rewarding. I would say those offers that they gave us, there was no way. didn't make any yeah. sense. And I know everything on air is really a handshake deal. So all the stuff really happens behind the scenes, but we weren't going to say yes to that. That just was silly, yeah. <laughs> especially in perpetuity. Like, come on, really? Yeah. Royalty? Yeah. No. So we, we, we knew that that <laughs> like, you know, but you try to play it up for TV. Like, yeah, we're really deliberating. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a thing, yeah. but yeah. it was, it was a good well, thing. You, you- you talk about being a sports fan. I can honestly say it felt like a sports thing because we were like cheering as we were watching and it was like, yes, this is great. And to your point, it was really good feedback yeah. in the short amount of time that was yeah. aired. Um, but it was, it was really cool to see. And, and to, you know, again, it's that idea of representation and like seeing someone doing something like what you're doing and seeing it recognized in that form. Is yeah. Huge. And you could tell too, Shark Tank this season was definitely more intentional about having more black owned or minority owned businesses on this season they've never before had that many um which is clearly a testament to you know bring some diversity on like (laughs) show to showcase different types of businesses so i was really pleased to see that this season that they're actually learning that it's okay to highlight (laughs) different types of businesses and founders definitely well i could i could go into so many different rabbit hole discussions on on that (laughs) one but i do want to switch to the brand of Cora for a bit and ask you my, one of my favorite questions I ask people, what would you say is your superpower? Ooh, that's a good one. I think my superpower is, oh man, I probably would say I'm a hustler. I, I don't know if that's a superpower, but I, I think once I am locked into, into something and zoned in on our idea or, you know, something that is really top of mind, I'll, I'll, I won't let it go. And I'll zone into so much that I'm just, I'll just execute against it. I think, mm-hmm. and I say that because when I've talked to other entrepreneurs and founders, it, it's amazing to me that a lot of, a lot of times the biggest struggle is not ideas, it's execution. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I think just having that hustler mentality of just like, you just got to get it done. Like (laughs) you you see it, you want it, you go after it. And that means I'm going to stay up late. That means I'm going to do research. That means I'm going to find the money. I'm going to make math math. I'm going to (laughs) do what I need to do to make this vision come to life. And I just think having that, that spirit of going after it and executing against, you know, all the ideas and the, the vision that you have. I think that's a pretty, a pretty good superpower of mine. I, I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, there's a lot of idea people out there, but there's less people that actually can execute in spite of yes. challenges because it's easy to execute. Yes. Like you mentioned that corporate experience where I have all these resources, yes. I have all this time, I have all these people to Correct. go to, but when you're, when you're short on all of those, that's when execution's a little bit more challenging and you have to have that, that superpower. Amen. Say that three times. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've touched on this throughout, but I, I'm curious, how would you say wifehood and motherhood 
have impacted your journey? Ooh, I think, you know, from a wifehood perspective, it's definitely made me more, you know, uh, my husband used to always say, like, sometimes you can't just be a team of one. (laughs) And I think that goes back to what I just said. Like, it's like, I see something, I go after it. But just learning how to, to be a unit, learning the true meaning of partnership um, is something that I definitely think, you know, I've had to learn over time and, and feel okay and comfortable with. And, you know, thank God I have a great partner in my husband who understands all my crazy and meets me halfway on it. But, you know, I think that journey of being a wife and also even being a wife working with her husband, I definitely together just understand what true partnership is. And that's cheering each other on. That's you know, rooting for each other's successes, but also being okay to tell one another about ourselves, but doing it in a way that is respectful. And that also, you know, you can be comfortable having a dialogue around it. We, we have our good, what do they say? Like those, those conflict resolution tools that we pull out, like, you know, we have those in the back of our pockets, both, you know, from just a personal, like, you know, husband, wife to like, we're co-founders and business owners and being okay having those conversations and recognizing how to separate the two also, which is very key. And I think from a motherhood perspective, um, just being, you know, nurturing. I I think you you don't realize that you have that in you, at least for me. (laughs) I didn't realize I had that nurturing Mm -hmm. spirit in me until I became a mom. And so, you know, being that way with my son, who's just very, gets very excited and he always wants to be on mommy. He's a true mama's boy. Like you said you were. My son is a true mama's boy. And being okay that he always wants to hug and crawl on me and, and, and feeding yeah. into that because, you know, he needs to see that affection and know that love. And so I, I want to yeah. give that to him as much as I can. And then patience. Motherhood has taught me a lot of patience and recognizing when I just I need myself to you know, maybe walk away and not and not let out all of my other things that I'm holding on to out on my my son or my kids. And so I I've learned a lot of that (laughs) while while growing a business and raising children. Yeah, 100 percent. So have you had and if you have, what was a mama we made it moment? Um, there's been a couple. I would say, I think the biggest mama we made it moment for us was when we got those retail partnerships with Target and Walmart and really Target first, um, because we, we were accepted into their accelerator program when we were only like two months old. And so that in and of itself, even being accepted into that program was a mama we made it moment because we were literally just starting out and the fact that they recognized that we were doing something unique in the space so validating and so i think you know being accepted that program then turning around and you know getting that golden ticket that we were going into store and then walmart reaching out saying we're interested in bringing you a store i just i felt like you know 2020 for us was just we were just on this roll <laughs> but it also yeah. was a time when we were like oh crap we need money <laughs> So that was also stressful. So that was stressful too. But I think, you know, balance. We need money and oh, we're winning. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You you had the problems that you wish you would have had in 2019. Correct. Correct. (laughs) So 
we're we're gonna close out and hopefully have a little bit of fun. When they turn your life story into a movie, who would you want to play you on the big screen? Oh my goodness! Wow, that's a good one. Who would I want to play me? Man, <laughs> I. I mean, I can tell you actresses that I love. Like, I love Gabrielle Union. She's one of my favorites. Um, man, I love Lauren London. Ugh, there's so many. But I, I probably would say, yeah, let me just go with Gabrielle Union for now. Just because okay. I just love her vibe. I love her energy. I love her outspokenness. She also has a beauty brand. So her entrepreneurial spirit I'll just go with her. Okay. So what song would play in the trailer of that movie? <laughs> oh, man. Um, the song that would have to play in that trailer of the movie would be, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. So one of my favorite songs is Michael Jackson, Pretty Young Thing. But that sounds so vain to have that playing in the trailer. <laughs> It's your story. It is. It, 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 I, like I say, it's your movie. I, I, I love this. I love this question because everyone has the first song that pops in their head and then they filter <laughs> and, and then they're like, okay, I have to give a better answer. That's not that song, but it's, it's usually to your point. It's like, that, if that's what comes to your head, that's what you should go with. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with it because that's literally my favorite go, song is go. pretty unthing by Michael Jackson, but that just seems so vain to have that go. playing, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's your movie. It's your movie. So, so the reason I do the podcast is I, I just enjoy hearing about people's unique lived experiences and hearing their stories firsthand. But for you, if you could sit with three people, they could be with us, they could have passed and hear their stories firsthand, who would be your three people? Uh, definitely my grandmother. So my grandma passed away about three years ago now, but she was amazing. And so I, I think about her often. She helped raise me with my mom. And so my grandmother had amazing stories. And that's one of my biggest regrets is not taking the time to actually sit and listen to all of them. So I, that's definitely one person that I wish I could just spend more time with and really hear about her childhood. I hear, you know, I heard certain stories, but there's so much more. Just her unique experiences of growing up in the South and Texas in a small town and, you know, having my mom when she was 14 years old and then having seven more kids after that. So she has a, she has a story and I just wish I would have, had more of a chance to listen to that. So my grandma's is number one for sure. You probably hear this all the time, but Michelle Obama is like my shiro. I just love that woman. So having that opportunity just to, I mean, even being in the same room, she doesn't even have to say anything. If I could just even sit across from her just to share her inner, like that, that energy, I would love to be in a room with her. Um, and then <laughs> my fun one I'm going to throw out there. I love Rihanna. <laughs> I think she's a whole yep. vibe. I love that yep. she's a self-made billionaire. Like, Ariana, again, she doesn't even have to talk. Yeah. I just want to be in the room with I want to get some of that, <laughs> some of what she's yeah. done yeah. from her. So those would be my three women. <laughs> That's that's a great that's a great uh, that's a great group, both together <laughs> and separately. We'd um, have a good time. <laughs> so 
Is there anything I didn't ask that you want to share or anything you want to ask me? I want to ask more about just even your background. I know you shared a little <laughs> bit, but I'm, I'm very curious because you mentioned, you know, being raised by a single mom as well. And just some of your experience and like, do you have siblings? Like, I'm just curious your background. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, give you the short answer and then we can we can definitely get you more details off off yes. the pie. But I, I always describe myself in in I'm a, you know, we're all layers. And I think you you also present yourself in, in that way. Uh, as I said, I'm a mama's yeah. boy uh, for, for all the reasons that that being a mama's boy is great. Um, I'm a husband to an entrepreneurial, very gritty, resilient Badass. wife. We love her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so that, you know, I have a front row seat to what's possible, but I also have a front row seat to what are the challenges, uh, that many entrepreneurs face. I'm a girl dad. So I, you know, I have the perspective of what is, what the future holds and, and it's just, it's exciting. And I, and I just, you know, I see the world through their eyes and it just, it just, it inspires me to do more of what I can do to help yeah. them. And then, you know, I do this podcast thing. So, you know, it's, it's funny. And I probably more people ask me about the podcast <laughs> at work in my day job than my, than my actual job. But, um, it's been a fascinating way to meet people. It's been a fascinating way, way to learn. Um, and hopefully to shine a light on some amazing stories that people just haven't heard yeah. yet. Uh, and then lastly, I'm a, I'm a curious marketer. So I'm, I'm, you know, I think similar to your husband, I've been in this marketing world for, I won't say the number of years, but a little bit yeah. of time. And I just, I'm fascinated by how brands can be used kind of back to what you said to be a force for good, but also a force for mm -hmm. growth. Uh, because I think you can do both. I think you can actually make an impact in lives and also drive yeah. business. And so that that's where I spend my, you know, my, my daytime normally, if I'm, if I'm not doing one of the other four things. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thanks for awesome. sharing. So before I let you go and get back to your busy schedule, if anybody wanted to follow your story, they want to know more, they want to become part of your family uh, at Young King, where should I send Yeah, them? you can check us out online on our socials uh, at Young King Hair Care. Uh, we're on IG, we're on Facebook, TikTok. We're trying to do a little bit more there. And then also our website, youngkinghaircare.com. And then I'm always open to people reaching out to me, like genuinely. So you can reach out to me at Cora at youngkinghaircare.com. Awesome. Well, I'll include all of that. And I'm sure people will be following and, and cheering along as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. <laughs> that was a really fun conversation with Cora and getting to hear not only what went into building Young King, but also to think about what what's to come from from her and her husband and their team. Uh, just it, it leaves me really excited to to continue following her journey. But the three things that I really took to heart and will take away from that conversation were one, she talked about how she took that uh, internship with covering the summer camp, summer basketball camp. And realized that sports journalism really wasn't a fit for her, which I think a lot of us, sometimes we focus in on finding what we like to do so much. And I think it's actually, if not just asked, maybe even more important to know what you don't like to do, because it really helps you find those passions and areas that really drive you. And so I think it was really interesting to hear how that was something that she thought she wanted to do. But after getting a little bit of experience with it, she realized it wasn't really the right fit. The second thing is, and she talked about this, that her and her husband both recognize with their son being kind of the spark to their, the business idea. 
and continuing to drive what they're what they're looking to build but the power of legacy and bringing your children into the journey and helping expose them so that they understand what's what are the reasons behind the decisions you may be making whether they be personally or professionally i think that's something we we sometimes probably don't think about you know they're they're watching us kids are very observant and they pick up on all the things that you say and the things you do probably even more so. And so being intentional about bringing them into that journey, whether you're an entrepreneur, you work in a big corporation, you work in a nonprofit, I think just exposing them is is something that we all could think about more and and doing that intentionally. And then lastly, she, she said that uh, she has to be reminded at times of not being a team of one. And I know some of us, especially those that have a similar mindset as, as her with a, being a hustler, you sometimes think about it as you, you've got to do this and you've got to make these sacrifices and make things happen. But a lot of times we don't take advantage of or don't even think about all the support systems we have, whether that be your partner, your family, your community, uh, your peers. And so just recognizing that you know all of us are playing a team sport and at times you need to rely on the team to really help you have those breakthroughs and have that support that you may need at different times. And so recognizing that so that we can all call on it and then also be there to support our team members and and help others as they go through similar challenges and obstacles. Until next time, I encourage you as always to continue to share your story. It's so important, not only for you, but for others to hear your story. And if you have any feedback or any comments about any of the podcasts, Feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at all of the social channels at Matt E. Story, or you can go to my website, www.mattestory.com. 